We talked the last four weeks. Let me give you, um, let me give you the, the, the bottom line or the, the key takeaway from the last four weeks, all right? Uh, here they are. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is God himself. He is the Savior. That was from four weeks ago. And then the week after that, Jesus was crucified because it was the plan of God for salvation carried out by the actions of men. And then we looked at the crucifixion. The cross satisfied God's justice through his love. And then last week on Easter Sunday, our hope for today and for the future hinges on the resurrection. So today's message really, um, it's, it's, uh, it works out really well if you were at the sunrise service. I'm piggybacking off of the sunrise service from last week, uh, but also trying to answer a question that uh, Pastor Peter uh, mentioned to me, I don't know, a month or six weeks ago. He said, you know, when I was a kid, we would have, good to see the DiCarlos with us this morning. <laughs> Make sure you say hi to them over here this morning. Um, as a kid, Peter said he would go through the Easter season and then he would wonder, well, what was next? Like we always hear the story of Jesus going to the cross, being crucified, uh, raising again on the third day, but then what? And so that's the question for this week. What is next? I've been thinking about that. What was next for the disciples? Um, what was next for someone who, for the very first time, puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, says, I, be I believe that I'm a sinner and I, and I need Jesus for my Savior. What's next for that person? Maybe you've been sitting in church for the last 40 years. You could ask the question this morning, what's next for me, God? Uh, maybe as a church, we should be asking the question, what's next for us um, as a church? Any, any one of us from the very uh, newest Christian to the oldest saint can ask the question, God, what's, what do you have? What's next for me? Uh, what's next for the, for, the, for the mom who will be at home with kids tomorrow morning? Maybe even homeschooling them this week. What's next for those of you who are going into the office tomorrow or your place of work or to the job site? What does God have for you next? You, have you, anyone ever asked that question to God before? What's next? Like you don't have to be at the end of, of, of a moment, maybe, at, maybe when you re retired, for those of you who've retired. Like that would be a, like a, an obvious time where you retire, that'd be the obvious time to ask God, okay God, what's next? But what, what about for the person that this week coming up is gonna look a lot like last week that just happened and last month and the, what's next, God? So we could, we could choose a, a, a lot of things to discuss um, of, about what was next for the disciples and what is next for us, uh, but this is, this is going to be the takeaway for us this morning. What's next? Jesus is with us, and he wants to love others through us. Right? You're taking notes. Jesus is with us. He wants to love others with us. That was my takeaway from, from Luke's message at the sunrise service. I don't think that was exact, I mean, I think that's generally what he was trying to communicate, but that was my personal takeaway, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So why don't you pray with me before we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for revealing to us in your word who you are. 
Uh, thank you for revealing to us that you love us, that you have a plan for us, that there's a future for us. Uh, God, I ask that during our time this morning, we would have a better understanding of what uh, you would like to do in our lives, what you'd like to do for us, in us, and through us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I would say for the disciples, this was a big question for them. What's next? Like they didn't, we know from uh, reading through the gospels, they didn't quite understand everything that was happening as it was happening. They kind of figured it out after the fact. So I'm sure even as Jesus appeared to them in the days after his resurrection, we know that, that he did. We know that at least they were gathering together at times because Jesus appeared to them multiple times. Um, but I'm sure they were asking this question, like, what's next? They were trying to piece it all together. They didn't have it all figured out. Some of them went back to the fishing boats, and they went back to fishing because we see in John chapter 20, Jesus was on the shore, and there were disciples out in the boat fishing, and there was a, a, an interaction there. Um, when I was a, a firefighter uh, down in Gwinnett County, we responded to vehicle accidents almost every shift. Uh, I know some of you, and, and Joe's got some friends here um, in the fire service, you do it all the time. You respond to vehicle accidents. So a lot of times you would respond, sometimes it's pretty insignificant in terms of injury or damage, but sometimes it was bad. Um, but one of the common things, even in a somewhat insignificant traffic accident, is that the people in the accident were confused. They were in, experiencing shock. Even if they weren't injured, they were, just, they were sometimes just shocked that they were in an accident, or if they were injured, it'd be worse. And, uh, and they would have a hard time piecing everything together. What happened, why did it happen, who was, what was I, and they just, they don't quite have it all together. And I imagine, um, the scripture doesn't spell it out quite like that, but I just wonder if the disciples, after Jesus died, were in shock. They were confused, they were trying to figure out what is next. So I think that this is true for the disciples. I think this is what the disciples needed to know then. I think this is applicable to us. Jesus wanted the disciples to know, I am with you, and I want you to love others. I want to love others through you. So let's look at a, a few verses together. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. These are familiar verses. Jesus came to the disciples. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's, sorry, that's verse 18. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the assignment. Make disciples, baptize them, and then here's the promise. Uh, sorry, continues, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. And surely... I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is Jesus' promise to his disciples, I will be with you. I will be with you to the end of the age, not I will be with you when you're in church, I'll be with you when you're reading your Bible, I'll be with you when you're praying, I will be with you always. This is Jesus' promise to the disciples, uh, and it's his promise to us today. These instructions are for us in the same way they were for the uh, disciples. Like I said yesterday, when we walked into Walker State Prison, right there on the wall, faith and character-based prison. I don't know about the, the rest of you, but I was just like, wow, this is, God's at work here. I know Joe walked in, and he walked up to these group, this group of guys. This, this made me laugh. Joe says, he introduced himself. He said, hi, I'm Joe, I'm from New York. Like Joe needs to say, he's from New York. 
Um, but there's this guy standing there and he says, I'm from Brooklyn. Joe's from the Bronx, this guy's from Brooklyn, instant connection. And, and, and I know, Joe, you had the opportunity to, to, to speak into this guy's, he wasn't, he wasn't partnered up with, Joe and I got to partner together, we had a great time. This was another guy, but, but Joe got to minister to him. God, Jesus was with us. He was, he was before us, he was ahead of us, he was preparing the way, he was ordering our steps for that day. We just had to walk in them. And, uh, and so Jesus wanted the disciples to know that he would be with them. So let me ask a, a, a question. What was the most difficult thing that you dealt with this past week? You gotta think, this is a little interact, you don't have to call out, but you have to think, you have to come up with one thing. That, one thing, what was it? Maybe you had a hard conversation that you had to have. Maybe it was a, a difficult uh, project at work that you were working on. All right, you got something? Oh, yeah. Jesus was with you. I don't know how it turned out, but Jesus was with you. Did you recognize in that moment that Jesus was with you? Let me ask you this. What is the most difficult thing you're going to be dealing with this week? I don't know about you, but I try to, on the weekend, like forecast my week. What do I have coming up? What, what, what's happening this day and this day? Who's coming and what do I have? What is the most difficult thing you anticipate dealing with this week? Maybe it's a person, maybe it's somewhere you gotta go. Jesus will be with you. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, as your savior, he's come into your life, he'll be with you. This is what Jesus wanted his disciples to know, it's what he wants us to know, that he's with us. John 14, uh, Jesus is trying to let his disciples know what is coming. You need to anticipate, Jesus said. He was preparing them for the fact that he was going to die and not be with them in person, not in a physical body any longer. In John chapter 14, verse 17, Jesus tells the disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you, the spirit of truth. I'm gonna give you someone to be with you. We know this to be the Holy Spirit, and the passage continues talking more about the Holy Spirit as the advocate, uh, how we are to love God, God will love us. And in verse 25, Jesus said this, all this I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have told you. So Jesus was leaving the disciples physically. He was, he was physically crucified, buried, rose again, went to be with the Father in heaven, and Jesus said, I'll be with you through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come. So this was on the, the night before he was crucified. I don't think the disciples really were putting it all together. Eventually they did though. Um, and and we, we learn as we go through the New Testament that the same Holy Spirit that the disciples received on the day of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit we receive when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And we see in the New Testament that the same spirit that rose, that uh, raised Jesus out of the grave is the spirit that is at work in us and gives us the power and strength to do the things that God gives us to do today. A couple of verses on that, Romans 8, 11. 
If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now this isn't like, well, this might be true. He's already said that it is true. And he said, because it is true, if Jesus, or excuse me, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, you got that? The spirit, the the power that brought Jesus out of the grave is within us. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. The, The new life we have is because the spirit's in us. We have God's spirits in us. That's how Jesus is with us today. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter one. And uh, we'll look at a few verses together. Chapter one, starting in verse 15. Paul is uh, writing to the the believers in Ephesus. And he tells them here in, in these verses, he said, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints, he said, you, you believe in Jesus and you're loving each other. He says, I, I do not cease. I don't stop to give thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. And he's got several things here that he remembers when he prays for the believers in Ephesus. He says he remembers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he's praying that God will give them the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. He's heard of their faith, he wants, he's thankful for their faith, he's praying that, that the Holy Spirit will work in them to give them wisdom, knowledge, and revelation. And then he says he's prays that the, that their, the eyes of their hearts will be enlightened, that their eyes would be open to to this, that they would know what is the hope to which they have been called. That we have, as Christians, we have a hope today. Paul prays that they would know of this hope. Prays that they would know the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. We have a, a future in heaven waiting for us. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power, so the immeasurable greatness of God's power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. This is, that's what I want us to catch here. So I want to read it in the NIV as well. Um, so he's, he's praying of the, um, that they would understand his an incomparably great power for us who believe. There is power. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus this morning, there is power for you. It's immeasurably great, incomparably great. It's for us who believe. And not only is it just a great power, it's the power, it's the same, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Do we believe that? Do we believe that the power that God used to raise Christ out of the grave is the power that he gives us at salvation? What could we do with that? Like, not not just Jesus is with us, he's with us in power and in strength. What are we gonna do with that? He wants to love people through us. I mean, he wants to do a lot of things, but this is what we're focusing on this morning. He wants to love people through you and through me. That's why we were at Walker State Prison yesterday. Like we actually, I feel like we hardly did anything. We just had to be there and watch God work 
And he was working in the lives of the prisoners and in the lives of, their, of, of the, the prisoners' kids. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, talking about Jesus wants to love others through us. He says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. This is a new commandment. It's different from the other commandments. This is a new one. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you also must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So you've got to say, well, wait a minute. You're telling me that we get all the way, you've got to get all the way to John chapter 13 in the Bible before there's any instruction to love? We know that's not quite true, right? There's lots of talk about love in the Old Testament. We're talking about agape love. Jesus is talking about agape love in this passage. We've, we've talked about this before. It's a, it's, it's a type of love that didn't exist in Greek culture. So if you, if you read historical uh, Greek documents, whether it's poetry or historical accounts, this word agape is not there. It's unique to the Christian faith. Uh, interestingly enough, Sarah said to me this week um, that when they translated the Old Testament, which was in Hebrew, into Greek, the Hebrew love, excuse me, the Hebrew word for love, hesed, also didn't really have a Greek equivalent. So it's a, the, the type of love that God has for his people is not a human love. It is a, it, it is a out of this world uh, love. So this idea of, of love, agape love, uh, desires only the good of the one loved. So a lot of times we love because we want to be loved in return. Agape love says, I will love you because it is in your best interest. Doesn't matter what's good for me, I will love you because it's in your best interest. It, it, it is a consuming passion for the well-being of others. I want to make sure that you're okay. That's agape love. I'll, I'll tell you what, I never would have thought as I was preparing for this message that I would have seen the very best example possibly of agape love that I have seen in, in a long time at the prison yesterday. And it's not one instance, it, you know, I'm not, there, there's not one particular story that I could tell you, but I could tell you that, of I don't know how many dads there were, probably 30, maybe 30 dads. I think there were 40-something kids. I saw agape love in every one of those dads yesterday. The, the attentiveness that those fathers had for their kids. Crawling around in the grass. You know, these crim tattooed criminals face-painting their kids. And, and, then, and then sheepishly sitting there while they were face-painted in, in return. <laughs> uh, they had this bounce house that, I don't know, is as tall as that wall probably. And to see grandfathers trying to keep up with their kids, climbing up so they could slide down and, and get you know, burnt on the elbows from the friction. These, these dads realized they'd blown it. <laughs> But they were given a chance, and they were going to love with no regard to themselves. 
but with their only concern was for their children yesterday. That's agape love. That's how God loves us. Except we're the ones that have blown it, and he loves us anyways. So agape love, though, it goes further than that. Agape love keeps on loving even when the loved one is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, and unworthy. Agape love keeps on loving even when the loved one is unresponsive, unkind, unlovable, and unworthy. I I sense you're kind of quiet because I'm kind of quiet. Boy, I don't agape love very good. So think back to the difficult situation you dealt with this past week whether it's a person or a project. We're talking about agape love, so we're talking about people. The people involved in your difficult situation, did you agape love them? Or or forecast into the week coming up, what are you you anticipating as the, the difficult situation you gotta deal with, or the difficult person, or the difficult people that you have to deal with? Can you agape love them? On your own, you won't agape love. But the scripture tells us that we have the same power that brought Christ out of the grave. And that power is in us, and with that power, through that power, because of that power, we can agape love the people in front of us. Jesus, that's why Jesus said, this is a new commandment. It's new to me, it seems like it's new to me every day. I gotta be re-reminded, what is agape love? How did Jesus love me? Dick Dick said to me, he said, these prisoners, they understand what grace is. Do we understand what grace is? We are to love others in the same way that Jesus loved us. That's why I try to remind us on a regular basis, we're not so great. We have wicked hearts. Um, the, the, The passage that Lily read, the, this morning during worship, what we were before we knew Jesus, but God, because of his grace and because of his mercy, when we put our faith and our trust in him, he changes us. He comes into us and now we can agape love. If we can't grasp the reality of who we are apart from God, we're not gonna agape love. But when we understand that how God agape loved us, then we'll say, man, I need to agape love others in the same way that God did to me. During, uh, during one of Jesus' visits with the disciples after he was crucified, this is a hard, a hard teaching, but Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. Jesus was perfect. He's in heaven with God the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and God said, Jesus, you're going down. These people are unlovable. These people are unkind. These people are unworthy. These people will not love you back, but I'm sending you to what? To love them. And he did it with graciousness. He did it with mercy. He did it with compassion. 
And Jesus said to the disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. John 3, uh, chapter, John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 Uh, the two verses after probably the most uh, recited verse maybe of scripture says God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the son of God Jesus had every right to come and condemn he was perfect He is just, he is holy, but he came in compassion and in love. Another thing I was thinking about, uh, Patrick Henry, not the president, but our church member. (laughs) Earlier this week, uh, in in a conversation, and and I was thinking about this yesterday when we were there at the prison, it took the same amount of Jesus' blood to save me as it did these guys. You know, we want to we want to differentiate, say, "Well, I'm not like that. I'm not that bad." Jesus died for every one of us. We all have fallen short. And we've all been offered a free gift. Jesus is with us and wants to love others through us. Do you believe the first part of that? Jesus is with you? Oh, come on now. Do you believe the first part? Jesus is with us. So are we willing to do the second part? Allow him to love others through us. Come on. Jesus is with us and wants to love others through us. Are you with me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm just so thankful that you sent your son. I'm so thankful for your word where he's revealed to us. I'm thankful that somebody was willing to love me enough to tell me about you. And, and, and Lord, with you in my life, I believe that you're with me and I believe that you want to love others through me. And Lord, I just confess right now, I can't do that on my own. In fact, pretty regularly on my own, I do not agape love people. And yet, this is what you did for us. And and you said, in the same way that the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And so, Lord, this morning, uh, we recognize you as our Savior We realize that we were undeserving, unkind, ungrateful, unlovable, and yet you loved us anyways. Lord, I pray that you would give, ignite within us a passion to love others in the same way that we have been loved. That we would be kind to the unkind, that we would uh, be gracious to the ungracious, that we would uh, care for those who would never care for us back. That we would love them, not with our love, our love falls short, but your love is perfect. Lord, we need it. We need it in our family relationships, we need it in our work relationships, we need it in our neighborhood relationships, we need it just in our 
coming and going, passing by community relationships. We just ask, Lord, that you would do a work in us and through us. Thank you for doing um, a work in us already. We want to be used of you, Lord, to love others. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take communion this morning. I hope you've got your, your cup and check to make sure it opens. It's an open communion if you're visiting with us. Uh, this communion is for anyone who has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. In John chapter 15, Jesus told his disciples, greater love is no one than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus did when he went to the cross for us. He laid down his life for us. He's with us now. He went to be with the Father. He's with us now through his spirit, and he wants to love others through us. I'm just going to invite you for a moment uh, to, to bow your heads for a few minutes of reflection. I invite you to confess anything that the Lord might lay on your heart. To thank him for his sacrifice, for the new life that we have, that he's with us. And even ask him for opportunities through the power of the Holy Spirit to love others this week. Why don't you take a minute? so thankful for what you did for us. We didn't, we didn't deserve to have our sins paid for. We deserve to pay for them ourselves. And yet you came and you gave. You were the perfect atonement for our sins. Lord, thank you for going to the cross on our behalf, for suffering, suffering what we deserve to suffer, for paying what we deserved to pay. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you that we have this opportunity today to remember what you did for us, to celebrate the new life that we have, and that we have this great opportunity to share that new life in this upcoming week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture says that the Lord Jesus... The night before he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it after he had given thanks. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.
Apostle Paul said, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want you to stand with me. We, uh, we normally conclude the communion with the Lord's Prayer. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Often when, uh, when an individual or a couple commits themselves to, to ministry, we have uh, a, a commissioning prayer for that uh, missionary or maybe it's a, a new member of ministry. we've been talking this morning about the fact that each one of us, that Jesus is with us, and every one of us is to go out and to love others, allow God to love others through us. And so this is my invitation this morning. If, if you feel like the Lord has somebody that he wants you to love this week, we're going to commission you as we leave to go do that. And so I invite anyone, you got a coworker, you might have a spouse, you might have a neighbor, you might have a friend, and you, and you have a situation that you know is coming up this week and you just think, man, I will blow this 10 out of 10 times apart from God. God, I need you in this situation. Why don't you come to the front? We're all going out, we're all going out somewhere this week I want to pray for you if, you if you say, I want to agape love this week when I've got the opportunity. you bow your heads with me? Father, I believe this truth is for every one of us. You are with us and you want to love others through us. It's what you've called every child of yours to do. Lord, I thank you for these ones that have come to the front this morning. They've got specific situations that they're thinking about this week. And Lord, they've come to say, I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I need you. I know that you're with me. I want to see you work through me. God, we're aware that that means we got to get out of the way. We got to stop doing things our way. We've got we've to drop our pride. We've got to humble ourselves before you. Let you be the one that lifts us up. And God, I pray that, um, that they would lean into you in these situations this week. We know that if the power that raised Christ from the dead is in these individuals, they could do anything in your name. And so, Lord, I ask that you would work through them this week to love the ones that they'll come into contact. Lord, I pray that would be true for each and every one of us, wherever we stand or sit here this morning. 
thank you for loving us, God, when we were unlovable. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to go out and love the unlovable as well. Lord, would you use us in mighty ways this week. We'll give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and love well this week. You have been loved. Now it's time to go in love.